This message is sponsored by Life Touch Massage. For your next massage appointment, dial 205-718-5144 or visit the web at www.lifetouchal.com. Remember, relief is just a touch away. We're two self-care experts, a massage therapist, and a licensed professional counselor, husband and wife and parents of three, business owners and working professionals, who have intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally. Our podcast aims to teach the everyday professional how to live through the stresses in life while learning to be their best in life. Welcome to Living the Stress Life, episode three. Episode three called Glass Ceilings and Invisible Doors. My name is Lamar Story. And I'm Tiffany Story. And today we're going to be talking about stress and race. It's a very interesting topic that we have today. Um, some very interesting facts that we found out when doing our research too. So I'm um, kind of excited about starting this episode today. Yeah, we talked um, in our last episode a little bit about um, stress and race. It was focused mostly on stress and gender, but we kind of couldn't discuss how stress impacts women and men without kind of getting into the differences we feel um, as African-Americans, how stress impacts us different to um, our white and Hispanic counterparts, um, and, and other um, other racial groups as well. As a, yeah, mm-hmm. so um, this week we're going to actually focus on race and stress specifically, um, and I think we started that conversation um, in our Facebook Live. If you missed it, we'll be doing a Facebook Live to follow up uh, on this conversation as well. But when I I mentioned in in the Facebook Live about me watching an episode of Being Mary Jane. Um, That was an episode, I mean, that was a series that came on BET. Gabrielle Union was the main character. She was Mary Jane. And Mary Jane had this best friend named Lisa. And Lisa was a very attractive woman. She was very successful. She was a doctor who had her own practice. I think she was an OBGYN obstetrician gynecologist and she suffered with low self-esteem but she suffered with depression um she had made multiple suicide attempts self-harm attempts and um in essence she ended up killing herself um she ended up overdosing on pills and it was the first time i think for me personally that i recognized that people can have these lives that you think are so awesome and still be um, dealing with stress or depression um, or suffering from some type of mental illness. And um, it kind of started me on this journey of looking up something called high-functioning depression. Uh, I ran into that when I started looking at depression because I was working at an intensive mental health facility. And I personally felt as close to depression as possible. I just felt sad all the time. But I realized a lot of those feelings were associated with my job. Um, And that's interesting you say that because recently on Facebook, I've been seeing um, a lot of people using the hashtag check on the strong ones. 
Yeah. And yeah. I was like, you know what? That is something that people don't typically think about. Yeah. Um, check on the strong ones. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, um, research the hashtag. Check on the check on. I think it's called check on your strong ones or check on the strong ones. And um, that hashtag says a lot within itself. It, it does. talks about the people that. When you when I hear that, I think about the people that we typically go to for help. Yeah. So the people that we typically go to for help, we consider them the strong ones. They can be strong financially, or we see that their life might be perfect in some kind of way. But that hashtag in itself lets you know that the strong ones need help too. They're dealing with their own stuff. Yeah, and so I when we began to well, when I first started looking up high, when I start first looking at high functioning depression um i came across a lot of stuff but when i really started doing the research for giving people for the podcast um facts um one of the things that came to mind was something i originally was thinking about for a podcast idea is this concept of women um falling into these two categories if you had to group us together those women who feel the need to be super women and those women who feel like they're queens and i'm not saying queens are not strong but feel more so like i'm good with my man taking care of me i'm good with people waiting on me i'm good with being treated as royalty and just kicking back and then you have some women who are extremely uncomfortable with being the person that's being cared for because they're so used to and conditioned to be super women and so what what describes this superwoman phenomenon well it's it's actually a real phenomenon called sojourner syndrome and superwoman schema it's mostly associated with african-american women like sojourner truth like sojourner truth oh cool um who was a slave for those of you guys who are listening who have never heard of her but basically this sojourner syndrome or superwoman schema is a perceived obligation that you have to remain silent about your feelings of distress and vulnerability. And it's a place where um, stress, strength, emotional suppression, and health kind of collide. So this concept that because I am the caregiver, um, because I am the person who has to take care of the family, who has to, to work, who has to nurture, who has to clean, people rely on me for information and to problem solve, I cannot express my feelings. I cannot be vulnerable. I have to keep it together. Um, but in the last episode, we kind of talked about how women express their feelings. So how does that... That sounds different to me. So it, it is different in that we communicate, but we are not vulnerable. So, and I, I talk to my friends about this all the time. Um, but I talk to my friends about this all the time about how I've gotten really good when I meet people, especially in professional settings, to be I have fake vulnerability. So I have these things that I share about myself that are almost like scripts that make you feel like you know me and make you feel like I'm vulnerable and so open, but it's stuff I don't mind people knowing about me. But if you really want to like know what makes me tick or have the power to make me cry, you got to know me, know me. Like, mm. uh, no. You got to know you better than I know you sometimes because I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay. Thanks for being shady. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 
I thought I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> but women are more vocal about the way they feel. But they it also said that the statistics, the statistics also said that we experience, experience depression at higher rates than men. Mm-hmm. So although we're more vocal, we're more likely to experience depression, whereas men are more likely to experience chronic physical disease. And I guess this... Um, even though the last statistic in the last podcast was based on a general gender. So this goes even deeper. So it breaks down the race barrier. Yeah. So I guess in this one, they're saying African-American women has that sojourner phenomenon Mm -hmm. to where they, you know, they can express those things. And actually you could, we could see that in all of our families. Mm -hmm. You know, we could see that as the grandmother who... I don't think kids. I've ever seen my grandmother break down or say anything that she's feeling any kind of way because I grew up, well, both of my grandparents had 10 kids. You know, and it's just like um, I hadn't seen a vulnerability. My grandmother now is 94, and I still don't seem like she's probably stronger now <laughs> than she was, you know, when I remember her being younger. You know, so I can see that. Even in, in you, I see it, you know, um, you're working, taking care of the family. And it's hard for you to um, express certain things, um, even though you do. But it takes, like you said, you have to really know you to get those things out of you. Yeah. And I think what was really interesting in one of the, as I was going through these articles and just looking at the statistics, I came across this study and it was talking about how um, when black women were slaves, that the mothers and fathers would condition their children not to express emotion. You mm, had to be, you had to be stoic or appear to be unfazed when you saw people being lynched, when you saw people or hung, or when you saw people being whipped. And so this phenomena is kind of in engraved in our DNA mm. that you have to be strong. You can't let people see you sweat. I remember like being younger and having some type of encounter, something that made me feel distressed. And I remember wanting to cry and telling myself, don't let them ever see you sweat. Like I'm telling myself that like suck, suck that crap up. Like is put it in its place. It's over and done with you go out here and you cut throats. Like, and I mean, it was extreme, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how I am. Like, I even remember an incident that happened where I was coming out of Dollar General mm-hmm. and Dollar General was robbed as I was coming out. And the guy blocked the door. And as I was trying to come up out, I realized he was putting a mask over his face and he pushed me back into the door. My hands were full and it looked like he had a gun. I processed later that it was just his fingers, but the way he was moving his hands around was like he had a gun. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming out of the store after everything had passed and I came home on my way home. I called Lamar and I was in shock. So I had to process how I felt and I was crying, but I literally only cried for what? Like, a second like a few seconds and then yeah. i cut it off and he kept following me around the house for like a few hours after that because i went for cleaning supplies so i had like a swiffer mop i had like an eight pack of paper towels and and dust mops and stuff and so i came home and just started cleaning and he was like are you okay because he was like you literally start crying and then just stopped 
like just shut it off and was like, I'm good. And I was good. But I think that as a black woman or as a person who feels like I have this burden of responsibility, that's what my, my brain was on autopilot. Like right. you don't have space for that. Yeah. And that, that relates back to um, what Joy DeGruy, um, she, she, um, mark this as post-traumatic slave syndrome. So when you have time, please Google that, look it up. I mean, we can have a series of podcasts just on that alone, but we want to get deeper into our discussion today and we want to break down uh, race and stress. Yeah. So I'll, let's get into some of the, the statistics or what these studies have found. So it says that racial and ethnic minorities have health that is worse overall than the health of white Americans. And when studies were done examining the role of social and biological stress on health, it suggested a link between socioeconomic status and ethnic disparities in stress and health. Hmm. So it said that some ethnic racial groups are more economically disadvantaged. And because of that, they experience more stress related diseases. Wow. Now I can I can see that, you know, we we uh, we live in Inslee and we're and I am from this side of town, born and raised and just a typical walk through the neighborhood sometimes can be stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's environmental stress. That's environmental stress. But I think it also combines with socioeconomic stress well, because. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the surrounding areas, mm-hmm. um, you have abandoned homes. Sometimes you have lots that are overgrown. You have trash everywhere. Um, you have stray dogs. Uh, even with me walking my dog in the neighborhood, became stressful. Um, thank God that they did come up the crossplex, and now that they have the new Starbucks and the walking track over there, I just take my dog there and walk around the track there. It's very actually calming. And stress-free, not to have to worry about those things. In like that, stray dogs. Like stray dogs, uh, stray people. <laughs> 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 you know, or, you know, overgrown lots or anything like that. But, um, but just when I compare that to when I worked for Ross Bridge, right? Mm-hmm. And being in a beautiful environment does something to the mind. Yeah. It creates a stress-free zone in the mind. Right. So when you walk around Ross Bridge or you're in that neighborhood and you see everybody running, everybody jogging, the kids playing, the the kids playing at the park that compared to this side of town is a vast difference. And I think that relates like to our health. It does. You know, when you have a beautiful environment, you're more likely to be outside and become one with the earth. Right. You're more likely to go outside and play. You're more likely to go outside and walk through the neighborhoods or walk to the store. You're more likely to exercise outside. Well, it's interesting because in this study, it also found that health disparities found to be associated with environmental stress. And that included uh, childhood asthma, hypertension, uh, um, which is high blood pressure, substance abuse, diabetes, obesity, Mm. as well as depression. Uh, depressive symptoms but there is a longitudinal a longi- longitudinal longitudinal study <laughs> <Yeah>. dang it <laughs> with african-american women um mm-hmm. where they studied the the impacts of long-term poverty 
And it said that long-term poverty and family stress were strongly associated with less physical mobility and cognitive functioning at older ages. And me and Lamar talk about this all the time, yeah. how we just see a whole bunch of black women. Some some of these women, yeah, and men, mm-hmm. but some of these women and men are not young. They're not old. They're younger, like, you know, late 20s. But especially older black women and men walking around where they're adjusting their weight or shifting their weight. So they almost look like they rocking when they moving or hunched Mm -hmm. over. Um, And we talked about how we see a lot of overweight people. Right. And it's really connected to family stress, environmental stress, um, socioeconomic status, but poverty. You know, and even a personal example for me is when I used to, when Winn-Dixie was open in Five Points, I didn't do a lot of grocery shopping there, but I would go in there, run in there when I was be cooking and need stuff. And sometimes I would have these men come up to me and be like, you so refreshing. And I just be like, hey. who? <laughs> Who did? <laughs> I was like, go ahead. So, we would, you know, I would have these random men. I mean, they'd be old men and men my age would come up to me and be like, oh, you just, you just like look like sunshine coming in there. Like, like a cold drink of water like on a, a summer day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't really understand why I kept hearing that. But, it, you know, as I began to look around, I realized that <laughs> I saw a lot of, um, obesity a lot of people around there who were eating unhealthy things and that's what happens when you're in a food desert and food deserts are are places where there are typically a lot of poor people they don't put grocery stores or food places in these or healthy areas. food health areas. well that's where i was getting at mm-hmm. food places that serve healthy food yeah we struggle with that nightly if we don't feel like cooking it's like all right what do we go eat we have to go out of our way to get something healthy to eat um and it's it's crazy that we have to do that the only thing we got around here is wings burgers fries and um sometimes we know pizza and we're trying to show our, our children a different way we're trying to live healthier lifestyles ourselves so we need healthier things around us so we have dinner field trips (laughs) Yes, you have to. (laughs) But But that's something that we we like to to people watch. And we notice that, you know, the the young the young guys limping and and you know when they're walking and all this stuff around us. But I think it's directly related to not having those beautiful spaces. Mm -hmm. You know, creating a beautiful environment around us in these in these low income areas. So that's something that we need, you know, help with the city, but we also need as citizens to make our spaces beautiful and to keep our spaces beautiful so that we can start to see a healthier change in people. Yeah. Uh, What was also interesting um, about this study is the impact of perceived discrimination or discrimination and oppression. So it said that perceived discrimination, that's, um, you know, discrimination based on gender, Um, based on where you work, ethnicity, sexual orientation, any type of perceived discrimination has been found to be a key factor in chronic stress-related health disparities among racial and ethnic minorities. A key factor. A key factor. It also said that stress due to experiences of racism can contribute to adverse birth outcomes when you combine those um, racism with general stress 
and maternal stress. And I thought about, you know, um, what's that judge that was on TV? Judge um, Judy? No, not Judge Judy. Judge Joe Judy. Brown. Baby, it just uh, came yeah. in. Random judge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it. Mathis. No. Oh. Okay. First of all, stop. Okay. I can't think of the judge's name, but she lost her daughter-in-law during mm. childbirth because they didn't listen to her. And then Serena had her baby and she was talking about how she almost died giving birth. Right. Um, it made me think of that, but it also made me think of how many black women lose their babies because of racism. So they're saying not only do we experience low birth outcomes, like miscarriages or some type of birth defect but we're dying so you're saying basically to break this down when you go to the hospital and you complain about a certain thing um because i'm black because you're black and because the person that may be the caregiver is is racist is not is not black or is racist in some kind of is it the person or is it the system it could be both because i mean honestly the system is designed by the majority, right. the majority race. And so it's just saying as... Um, so your issues are ignored. Yes. Which may lead to death. Me dying, having a baby, or wow. my baby dying. Wow. Yeah. And what was also interesting when we looked at um, some of these health disparities, it pointed out a, a, um, a study about mental health. And it says that perceived discrimination has been shown to contribute to mental health disorders among racial ethnic groups such as Asian Americans and African Americans. And it specifically highlighted us, African Americans and Asian Americans, which I thought was really interesting that we the impact of perceived discrimination was more similar in Asian Americans and African Americans. And I think, you know, what's so... If I haven't told you, I have a bachelor's in child and family studies. And one of the studies that we did when I was in school spoke about how Asian Americans and African Americans are the ones most likely to try to assimilate to American culture. Yeah. So combine that with what you said about mental health disorders being higher in our cultures. And we are the ones that's trying to assimilate to American culture. So every time you get a kick in the face or feel like you're discriminated against in a system or in a culture that you feel like is your own, mm-hmm. maybe that causes something within our brains that say, you know what? You don't belong. But we keep trying to belong. We keep trying to assimilate. We keep trying to live the American dream. And sometimes in a white supremacist system that says, no, you still don't belong. I think that's very interesting. One of the other studies that we also um, did is that Asian women were more likely um, to marry a white man. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was interesting. I don't know a lot about the Asian culture, but this is something that we were taught in school that they're starting. Asian women are starting to find uh Asian men less attractive Mm. and they're starting to be more attractive to white men. And I wonder, well, I know why that is because we have the social media or the mass media, I should say, that puts out the image. And, you know, that's what we see over and over again. You know, white is beautiful, white women, white men is beautiful, all of these things, um, TV, magazines, all of this stuff. So when you have those cultures growing up in this, 
particular American culture, um, that's what they're going to think is beautiful. But what I found also interesting in what in the statistic you just read, I would also think that Hispanics would be in there. Well, I think with Hispanics, they're they they're more likely to hold on to that culture. You know, we are trying to assimilate, but you know, people make jokes about stereotypes. We all have every race has like these stereotypical jokes, and you know. I even remember when I was in college, I did door-to-door sales and I walked up to this door and it was like four Hispanic names engraved into some wood by the doorbell. And I remember thinking, I'm going to ring this doorbell. It's going to be about 50 folks in there, right? That's racist. It was. It was a racist thought. But it was my experience that, I mean, I'm from California originally. Mm hispanics they support each other when they come over they will live jam-packed in a house one one person would have made it to that point where they're able to get that house and then they help build everybody else up so they clean together and they have culture and not that asian americans don't do that because asian i feel like even asian americans um are held on to their cultural beliefs but it's like they have this culture but they assimilate for the lifestyle you know what I'm saying? So I think there's this split that happens within themselves and it, there's this c- conflict. And with us. And with us. And so I think that's why it's more we're more similar. And they also do, um, they're also really big about suppressing emotion. You just think about it. Like when I was in counseling, we had to uh, really um, study how to engage with clients from different cultures. You know, you take a, a cultural, cl- a multicultural counseling class right. and where you really learn about different cultures and why they are less likely to reach out for counseling services and like their history with the health system, you know, in this country. Um, and it talked about Asian Americans suppressing emotions or not being able to express certain things. Mm-hmm. Some of the culture differences that they have, uh, like looking certain people in the eyes is a form of disrespect, looking elders or people in authority in the eyes. Whereas we tell like you, you look a person in the eye, that's the respectful way. So just these differences, mm-hmm. um, I think creates this split. But what was also really interesting though, in the study that you found was that when these researchers are going out, first of all, trying to to study uh, or, you know, make new findings when it comes to stress and all of these things. You can't hardly find studies on white people. Yeah. And that was one thing. And I said, you know, we don't want to make this one sided. So let's find some research on white stressors. <laughs> so let's let's find some that, research that on white right. people <laughs> that, um, you know, let's say, hey, what are their stress factors? You know, but. Amazingly, it's really hard to find. Even the study that I read said there's overwhelming uh, research on African Americans. Yeah, we are probably one of the most researched people in this country. At least we're the in most this country study group. So, and it's hard to find some of the same research about white people. What, which is, but what was the most interesting? What I was getting at is that um, it said that when they what they did find. That it was not much difference in the rate of mental illness that white Americans experience compared to African Americans. And what when me and Lamar began to really talk about it, mm-hmm. I told him, I said, I think that's interesting because think about it. I said, I would imagine when when babies are young, 
right? Right. They don't see color like that. Like they don't hate each other based on differences. That's a learned behavior. That's a model behavior. So that's how you can go to the park. And if no one has conditioned a kid to be afraid or they have not had some type of traumatic experience, they embrace people who look different from them, right? right? But as they get older, they're conditioned to hate. Mm -hmm. They're conditioned to distrust. It has to be the same type of psychological break in them to get them to distrust as we experience being distrusted, you know? Mm -hmm. So as we're being oppressed, they're somewhat being oppressed and and their their emotions being suppressed too. Because in order to hate, you have to break the natural tendency in you to love or embrace. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's no real differences in the mental health disorders or mental illness because that process to break someone or condition someone to be hateful is really looks very similar to the process of the person that's being broken. Mm-hmm. That's deep. Yeah. Girl, you deep. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I want to get back to this perceived discrimination. So when we think about the we talked about the Asian, Asian American culture, the African-American culture, and you think about what happens. Right. As a let's talk about it as a business person mm-hmm. when you go and get a, to to apply for a loan, you know we we know the statistics are out there. When you go get a car loan, when you get a business loan, when you get a mortgage, you're trying to get a house. We know statistics have proven that we are the most discriminated against in those things. Mm-hmm. So when we perceive that discrimination, when we know we qualify for a certain thing and we don't get it, it's very stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get pulled over, even though you have not done anything, you get pulled over by the police. It's stressful because we see what happens or see what can happen um, when something goes wrong just based on who pulls you over. Yeah. You know, so now those are those those factors that also lead to stress, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, stresses that you don't even really think about. Yeah. I even think about us going to Berea College, mm-hmm. right? And it was very business. Yeah. So it was very <laughs> different for me because I'm I'm coming from the west side of Birmingham, Alabama, where everything is all black and being put into a culture where everything is majority white. I was not used to that. It was a culture shock for me. It was like right? white white. Yeah, like white white. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, the only thing jumping in Berea was the Shell gas station on the weekends. <laughs> and know, Walmart parking lot. And Walmart parking lot. That was, like, white, white, right? Well, that, so, that, I mean, we hang out in places like that. But, no, it was in the Appalachian Mountains. We were put into a somewhat stressful environment, right? So then you have the same people that when you, for instance, i give you an example. Um, as a professor, a class that I was taking, I think his name was... Um, my wife's looking at me crazy right now because I said his name, but I don't care. Okay. Because he did it. He did this to me, okay. and I still think about this. <laughs> okay. But accused me of not writing one of my papers one time. Now at that time I didn't type fast, so I used to write all of my papers. Mm-hmm. So I had to. He called me one day and called me to the office because I remember everybody getting their papers back, and I didn't get mine. Mm-hmm. And so and he was a white professor. And uh, I think he actually later became dean or associate dean of the school. 
So he <laughs> so he called me into the office and he was like, uh, Lamar, this is a very good paper. I was like, thank you. But I don't think you wrote it. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Like that has never happened to me. Like coming from an all black culture and coming from an all black neighborhood, all black teachers, majority black teachers, all black school, then going into this white environment and you heard about the racism. I mean, I, I experienced some with police, but never like this. And then I said, well, I can prove it to you because I write all of my papers. Brought him my rough draft in my handwriting. And this man still gave me a C on the paper. And I was like, you know, some people are going to just be hateful. Yeah. And from Berea College was one of them. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So... You know, we've talked about a lot today. Like I said, we're going to follow up this discussion with some Facebook dialogue. We really want to hear from the people who are following our podcast, who are uh, really checking in with the blog and really trying to deal with their stressors. But we really want to know, are you experiencing any stress related to your ethnicity or skin color? And if so, how has your experiences impacted your physical, emotional or mental well-being? Also, What are your thoughts regarding the findings that there is no consistent rate differences with respect to the rates of psychiatric disorders and psychological distress between white Americans and African-Americans? Email us. We want you to email us these things. What's our email address, bud? Connect at livingthestresslife.com. And you can also um, hit us up on Facebook um, at living the stress life you can hit us up on instagram at our stress life or on twitter at um living underscore the stress life this message is sponsored by life touch massage is a local innovative spa located in the parkside district of downtown birmingham we provide affordable services in a relaxing environment for individuals who work live play and travel downtown we provide a variety of massages, including Swedish deep tissue, hot stone, cupping, sports, pregnancy, and much more. Give us a call today or visit us online to schedule your next spa service. Remember, with Life Touch Massage, relief is only a touch away. So, Lamar, are you ready to get into the tips of the day? Let's do it. Let's do it. Tip of the day. So... We're focusing on your mental wellness or well-being. First tip is evaluate if you can improve or thrive in an environment that is the source of your stress. So, um, you know, if you are in an environment where you feel like you're experiencing some type of discrimination or, um, uh I guess, stress related to your skin color or ethnicity, you have to really evaluate, is this an environment where you can actually manage your stress in a healthy way, or is it going to continue to cause you stress? Or if your environment is cluttered, um, maybe you want to set a, a aside a beautiful space in your home. Um, if you happen to live on the side of town that it may not be beautiful on the outside, but maybe you can um, set apart set aside some part of your home on the inside and the outside and make it a beautiful space to meditate, to think, to be in, to help de-stress and clear your mind. 
Last tip is also making sure that you're working to live a balanced life. That's um, in your spiritual life, your um, mental well-being, emotional well-being, and having a physical outlet. It's very important that you try to be balanced in all aspects of your life and, and balanced in your relationships too, as, in, as far as your um, social interactions. You know, if you do feel like you're experiencing some type of um, discrimination or racism or some type of stress related to your skin color or your um, ethnicity, it's really important to be able to evaluate your social circle. Do I have people that I can talk to and get honest feedback from other races or other backgrounds? If you don't, that might say something about your ability to be able to put aside your biases. Um, you have anything to add to that? No, I think that's that that about wraps it up. All right, guys. I want you to I want to thank you for tuning in to episode three, Glass Ceilings and Invisible Doors. And until next time, live your best life. Living through your stress line.